We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. It is a Sunday evening in Baltimore and one that is going to be a disappointing one in a number of fashions as the Ravens drop their week three matchup to the Indianapolis Colts in overtime, Sarah, 22 to 19. Welcome inside the vault across all of the Bobby Baltimore platforms as well. Simulcasting. This is our Ravens postgame show brought to you by our friends at CyberTech. And partner, before we get into every single aspect of what we just watched unfold over the last few hours, which is going to be a lot, here's John Harbaugh's opening statement at the podium inside the bank just a short while ago. A tough one for us. Uh, had our chances to win the game, and uh, it didn't happen for us. It's uh, 14 games left in this season, and our focus is going to turn very quickly to Cleveland, in Cleveland, the division game on the road. I'm going to... Uh, uh, do everything we can do to go in there and be the best football team that we can be and play our best football. Like I said, you know, we had plenty of opportunities to put the game away, uh, especially when our defense did a great job at stopping those guys, you know, um, great field position, and we didn't move the ball at all. Um, that, that, that ticked me off, you know. Um, it ticked all, tick all of us off. Um, we like to finish the job. The defense did great today. Um, they always do great, but especially today, you know, um, giving us that opportunity to finish the game, and we did it. Um, I mean, pretty bad, dude. We want to win every single game that we come out here for, and I thought we had a great week of practice, uh, offense and defense, special teams included, and it's uh, just not the result that we want. But luckily, there's um, Cleveland next week, and hopefully, get a win there. But got to really re- review the game, um, see what we did well, improve on what we didn't do well, and move on next week. And we'll get to a career all-time day from one Kyle Hamilton later on in the stream, Sarah. But Look at this Colts kicker, Matt Gay, one that you whose name you heard many times throughout the CBS broadcast. 
He became the first kicker in history to make four 50-plus field goals in one game, including that 53-yard game winner to beat the Ravens in overtime on the road. Frustrations have boiled over, partner. This one was horrific, just a horrific way to lose. And the Ravens ultimately, in my estimation, did not deserve to win this football game. What are your opening thoughts? Uh, did the Colts deserve to win it? I, I don't understand the deserve stuff. That that makes no sense. If you win it, you win it. To me, did they pl play below expectations, the Ravens? Absolutely. They were horrific, especially on offense. Uh, they shouldn't have been in that in the position in the first place. They should have never gotten to overtime. The deserve thing makes no sense to me, though. It's like it. Well, they didn't do like, enough. They, they didn't do enough right. They didn't do enough. All the, that I that I that I accept. The deserve thing. It's like they're they're both. It's a three point swing into overtime. I don't know that they they deserved it. I mean, Gardner Minshew stepped out of bounds. He did a Dan, Dan Orlovsky. The Ravens copped up the ball over and over and over for them. Um, you know, so the whole deserve thing that makes it it doesn't it doesn't work for me. I know I know you're not you're not crazy. I mean, a lot of people say that kind of stuff. That being said, the Ravens played, especially on offense, terribly. And like I said, it shouldn't have gotten gotten to the point that they did. The defense kept bailing out the offense. The offense had, I believe, uh, four fumbles, two lost uh, in a bad stretch there. There we go. One from Kenyon Drake. The one that happened with Kenyon Drake completely changed the momentum of the game. It looked like the Ravens were ready to go up 14-0. Lamar lost uh, or had two fumbles, lost one. Sam Mustafer, it wasn't – I put lost, but actually that ended up being, you know, recovered and 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 whatnot. But it was still well, ended up being the, the, Colts, the Colts ball. So you have all those early. The Ravens scrapped their way back, and then here we are. To close regulation, the offense couldn't close regulation. We have the Zay Flowers, which we'll get to the explanation on that. That actually cleared things up big time for me. Uh, but Zay Flowers had the, the fair catch. Then the illegal block in the back by Nelson Aguilar. That helped stop the clock when the Ravens were trying to drain it. So both those things, um, Zay Flowers calling the fair catch and then N Nelson Aguilar, that stopped the clock twice for the Colts. The crazy thing is, Bobby, some of that, and again, I think two things can be true at once. I will point out the horrific play by the offense and mostly fault that. I will also uh, point out the horrific calls by the refs because that also has an impact, especially in a game that's decided by three points. They missed the face mask on Zay Flowers that would have offset the Nelson Aguilar uh, block in the back. So it it that wouldn't have just stopped the clock and then would have had a punt. They would have had to replay that. Um, Zay Flowers, I also partly put that on, I don't know if it's refereeing or, or the clock. I don't know who does the clock, if that's just refereeing or somebody else. But when John Harbaugh told Zay Flowers to make the fair catch, but he did that when he looked up at the board and on the board, it says it's 158. So the Ravens thought they had already been past the two minute warning. Then they get the play, the, the punt, uh, return team on the field once the punt return field is already on the field, then they change the clock and put it back above two minutes. This isn't like Zay Flowers has microphones in his headphone like a Lamar Jackson does or or a um, Roquan Smith does. They can't say, oh, Zay, don't do this fair catch. They're trying to get it out to him, trying to get it out to him. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. So that that doesn't help when you're going to change the clock when your team's already on the field. That, that that to me is no good. But anyway, 
After all that, Lamar Jackson takes the ill-advised sack. You wish that he would have thrown it away. You take the good with the bad with him because sometimes it's a superhero play. And then sometimes he takes the sack. That puts Justin Tucker out from 61. He's short. You get into overtime. Defenses make stops again. Isaiah likely dropped a pass that was on the money in offense in, in overtime. And then the refs absolutely blew once again the P.I. on Flowers. So to me, it's all a perfect storm between you know, the time management, the clock there, part of that's on the refs and them changing it. Uh, the turnovers, just absolutely terrible. The the losing all your all these starters, the Ravens don't have, I think it was eight or nine starters in, in, in uh, overtime. Um, it was just a perfect storm, just completely working against the Ravens. And it was indeed a frustrating loss. Here it is on the left-hand side for our audio, for our YouTube audience. You got the, the clear... The, the hitch right here or whatever you call it the what, are the, what do they call it when they, your, your defender's arm right is is seriously like prohibiting zay's route here and and ultimately dragging him away from lamar's football that happens on the left hand side and then on the right the blatant face mask it, it really was a, a disastrous performance on, on a number of levels except on the defensive side of things i mean can can you remember a time where this defense put the offense in lamar in more positions to close out a game, and yet they just couldn't do it. I mean, Kyle Hamilton's performance, one for the ages, a three-sack game for a guy who had two, I think, previously, three and one half, I think, if I'm not mistaken either. So, you know, there were a lot of great things, and it's a, it's a, it's a shorthanded Mike McDonald defense that finds a way to continue to put them in games and keep them in games. But today, ultimately, they just could not get enough done offensively, and the operation... Yet again, the operation was just not good enough. We should probably talk a little bit about Justin Tucker, who missed from 61, right? And then he had a couple choices in, in the decision-making department for John Harbaugh that followed. And you wonder if his decision to not send out Justin Tucker from 62, 63, whatever it was, uh, had to do with what he watched in that, that miss from 61. He mentioned it in the postgame that it was about footing. We know that it was a sloppy wet day in Baltimore because of the weather. There was also some significant wind coming in and outside the bank. So I know I've seen a lot of reaction dragging Harbs for that. Look, these guys led by Randy Brown and, and the special teams department, I know it wasn't good in an, on a number of fronts. And we'll get to some of the miscues and woes from a special team standpoint, but they know Justin and they know the operation better than anybody. And so I'm not going to sit here and, and critique them or judge them or rip them for for not sending him out because they saw something in that 61 yard miss Sarah and if they did end up missing again you're essentially giving the Colts an opportunity to go win the game right there with a field goal so you know this is this is this is when when he chose not to put out Justin are we talking about the next play was the fourth and three and there is the pass interference clear pass interference no call on Zay or is this when they they punted it was was the next play was Zay yeah. Yep. No, I like that call. I like that call. You like you're you're fourth and three. You are. No, no, no. I'm, I'm you not are. Saying, I'm not saying I didn't like it. No, I'm no, no. I know you. I 
I know you. I know you're not. Yeah. You're talking about from fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. Sorry, sorry if I'm. It seemed like I was coming after you. I'm definitely not. You were speaking on some people who were mad at Harbs for that. Yeah. So yeah. who, whoever those people are on social media that you're referring to, <laughs> for sure. Um, I'm glad hey, we're clearing hey, the that up. Intensity is high right now. <laughs> this is what this is what you know. The peaks and valleys of an NFL season are going to happen. People are in the comment section thinking that you you and I got beef with one another right now. It's going to take a lot more no, than than this. To, to, this is how it goes in the NFL. You thought it was going to be a perfect, you know, sunshine and rainbows all all year long. No, this is good. This builds character. They can fix it now rather than have to yeah. fix this in January. So go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. No, what's what's funny is like uh, like I came before we even started. Like I felt rather calm. Like I, it's just <laughs> I, I just disagreed with the the deserved thing really. But um, and, and I'm being and I am being clear in my my opinions though for sure. Um. But I mean, oh my gosh, why were you kidding? It would take a lot more for us to have beef than a disagreement on who deserved to win. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, no. So, uh, no, I I totally agree with Harbaugh's call on that one because um, you we all watched Justin Tucker come up short on 61. I'm sure they talked about it. Um, if the rain has the the field completely sloppy and wet, if he can't get to, to make the ball go 61, 62, 63, 64 yards, which is uh, he would have been around 63 for that second time after you already missed the 61 to make the ball go that far. You have to get power in order for you to get power. You've got to have a foundation of your foot in the grass. Yeah. If the grass isn't holding up for Justin Tucker to have that kind of power, that's not John Harbaugh saying, I don't believe in, Justin Tucker, that's John Harbaugh saying, I don't believe in this wet field because I saw what it just did to my kicker. And so then he's like, okay, I'm going to bet on my offense, which I get has not been moving the ball, but I love the play call. Zay Flowers was there and there was a blatant no call pass interference. No doubt about it. Um, it should have been called. Somehow that comes back on John Harbaugh that the refs blow that. No, nah, I'm not buying that one. No. No, me either. Me either. But you're seeing some of that reaction out there. Again, probably just the vocal minority. Let's talk momentum. Two weeks in a row, Sarah, opening drive masterclasses were put on by Todd Munkin and Lamar Jackson in this offense. I'm talking like punch you in the mouth, set a tone, right? Versatility, diversification all across the board, eats up the clock, and you start a game with, with you know, a, a great stretch and a great opening type of tone setter. And then this week on the second drive, Kenyon Drake, who the Ravens picked up when Justice Hill went down with the turf toe after a big gain. And I'm talking like 20 plus yard gain. His first touch as a Raven. Well, year two. I mean, he was with the Ravens last year. So his return to the Ravens, his first touch as a new, you know, second time around, whatever. He coughs up the football and, and immediately enters John Harbaugh's doghouse. Now, it wasn't for long. He was out there not long after. Right? It can't be long when your first your top three running backs are out. <laughs> it, it certainly cannot be long. More on Gus Edwards' concussion in just a bit because he got popped out there on a two-yard run. Hope the best for him. He did not look good on the side. He looked a little out of it, as you would expect. But, Sarah, you talk about a momentum shift, a significant one. The Ravens were out of sorts from then on, maybe even into like midway through the third quarter. They couldn't get anything going after that, and that was a legitimate swing. It is crazy. 
crazy to me how in sports, and it's a, it's a real thing, how momentum is a real thing. And I know this is somebody who played sports, obviously not professionally, uh, but I mean, even you can just feel it. I can feel it when I'm watching my kids play, right? Like I can feel it, you know, it's just momentum is a real thing. And it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it started with Kenyon Drake, but here's, here's what the Ravens need to do though, as an offense you can't let that snowball. And what they let it do was snowball. Like that was that was a bad that was bad from Kenyon Drake. I mean, here he had this completion that went for like 20 yards plus. Let's the ball get knocked out. Okay, but but the defense the defense keeps stepping up for you. So don't let it snowball. But it did snowball. You then had you know the 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 Lamar fumble then you had the Mustafer one, which I don't even know what was going. I don't even know why he snapped it that early. I don't know what happened there. I'm sure there was a miscommunication there. But not only did he do it early, but he did it low. low. And then, you know, Lamar had a jump on it. And so it's like, if, if you're going to have a turnover, you can't let it snowball. And that, that's the crazy, the crazy thing about it. And then it finally comes around in the second half where the Ravens put together yet another beautiful ADR drive. And it's like they do those and it just seems like they're unstoppable until they stop themselves. Now, one thing I will say, Bobby, and we talked about this big time um, when we had on our preview show, Lawrence, what was Lawrence's last name? I want to give him his due. Owen. Um, Okay, thank you. So Lawrence came on and I was asking him about, you know, DeForest Buckner and that defensive line. He's like, I think this is a top five NFL front seven. And woo, did Lamar Jackson feel that today and the running backs in that offensive line? Um, Sam Mustafer, you know, he's he has played well in relief of Linderbaum over, overall. But my goodness, not only him, but Morgan Moses, I think, had a couple of false starts. Um, the pressure was coming in from the left side that got to Lamar. I think McCary let one through one time. I mean... It was tough sledding to get the run game going. They finally got it going there um, at, towards the end. It was just like, I want to give credit to that Colts defensive front seven because they really are legit. And I feel like that's the unit that ended up winning the game for them because the Ravens offense just couldn't move the ball through the air or the ground. That's tough to do when the front seven is, is that talented and that good and putting on so much pressure. Quick pause to tell you about uh, tonight's episode sponsor, CyberTech, a next-generation local recruiting, resourcing, and outsourcing firm, a new way to acquire resources, whether you're in need of new hires, contingent staff, or just seeking to outsource a business or technical function, CyberTech is the organization for you. If you're in need of resources and candidates and don't have the time to sift through dozens of resumes, CyberTech is a company that really understands your needs and presents candidates that are not in the open market within 48 hours. CyberTech has over 40 years of combined experience in working with some of the largest organizations in the Baltimore area and nationally. You'll have a chance, if you're interested, to meet myself, Sarah, and the CyberTech team for an introduction virtually by scanning. Uh, we don't have the QR code right now, but we do have uh, the email that's included that you can reach out to someone from CyberTech directly in the show notes below. And we just wanted to say thank you to CyberTech for not only sponsoring our post-game show the opening month of the season, but also Inside the Vault with Roquan Smith, which will not be available this week because we have only 10 shows throughout the season. So we kind of kind of divvy it up with Roquan. The first two episodes are out with him and we'll revisit things with him in the coming weeks. But uh, 
partner, where do you want to head next? Oh, I'm just watching some of those, reading some of those comments there. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, let's, you know what? Let's go ahead and give, um, let's give Kyle Hampton more of a do. I know that you uh, talked about him a little bit there for a second, but it was kind of in passing. Let me see if I can pull up um, his full day. Where did it go? Here we go. So you had kind of mentioned it. it they, they announced in the press box per Kyle Barber that his three sacks are the most ever by a Ravens defensive back in the first half and ties the NFL record for the most by a defensive back in the first half in NFL history. So whether it was a half or a game, like he was, he was definitely, definitely setting and tying Ravens franchise records. Uh, he finished with nine tackles, the three sacks, he had two tackles for loss, one pass defense, and then one forced fumble. I mean, this man was everywhere. Not only was he everywhere, but they moved him back to the nickel spot because with, um, you know, Kyle Hamilton going down, what they decided to do was move, you know, Geno Stone in there and then put uh, uh, Kyle Hamilton there in the nickel and with our Darius Washington going down. And he just, this man was unstoppable. And it was hilarious to me because the first time, that can happen every once in a while, where the first time you get through untouched and it's like, guys, we got to work on our protection. Uh, so, you know, watch number 14 coming off the edge. Mike McDonald is like, hey, I'm not going to stop throwing this at you until you learn to pick it up. So you go through a second time, almost goes on to untouched. The running back saw it last second and tried to get in there and, and touch him. Didn't happen took down Gardner Minshew again. And then a third time it happens. Finally, Bobby, I saw somewhere in the second half that they had two blockers on Kyle Hamilton. It's like, okay, three, three sacks on your quarterback and, and you kind of figure it out. I mean, Kyle Hamilton is playing like a number 14 overall first round pick in his second year. He had no sacks at Notre Dame. He had two as a rookie in his entire rookie career. And he has three today. Uh, it's kind of bittersweet. You get the loss, but woo, that is a defensive player that will be here for a while. Yeah, and credit Mike Mack for using him accordingly to his strengths. You forget that Kyle is 6'4", 220. His father, Derek, well-documented, <laughs> played college basketball or professional basketball overseas. And so you have that length. And then all of a sudden, you put the length with the speed and the discipline and the angles that he takes. I mean, Look, he's got Gardner Minshew dead to rights here, and he did a couple times, and Gardner just did not see him coming, at least on one of them. It, it was impressive, to say the very least. Uh, and here's more from Kyle postgame. I mean, it's the funny, not funny part about this league. I mean, every single week, you don't get any layups. Um, there's no real bad teams in this league, and every single week, you got to practice well, you got to prepare well, you got to play well. So... At the end of the day, we did beat a good team last week and played a great team this week as well and um, didn't go our way. But uh, I think it's kind of a lesson that we can learn from that never get too high, <clears throat> never get too low. And in this league, every single week's a challenge. So we're going to have to bring it. You know, Sarah made me think of one play. He wasn't involved in it. One of the one of the few that Kyle wasn't involved in. He guy was flying around with his hair on fire all afternoon. But the Michael Pittman catch where his helmet came off and Brandon Stevens. Oh, yeah. And it was a three-way collision with Brandon Stevens and Geno Stone. That was an unbelievable catch, first and foremost. Just like, I'm going to do it better than you and find a way to come down with this football. And Gardner put it exactly where Pittman needed to go and get it. And that's a big body, too. Like, I think he's like 6'5", something along those lines. But Gino, 
Geno Stone took the brunt of that collision and was down and out. I don't know how he comes back into that game, Sarah, like a, a play or two later, but he did. And it just speaks to the toughness. This was a defensive display worthy of, of winning a game. They put, their, they put the offense in so much position for success time in and time again, well into overtime. And you're just thinking to yourself, which team is going to go out and win this game? You know? And so anyway, I just thought Gino deserved a little bit of credit because this is a guy who's filling in admirably for Marcus Williams and he's tough as nails as he showed in that play. Well, and while you're, yes. And speaking of, of injuries, here's what I'm just a little bit nervous on because uh, Brennan Stevens did come back by the way. um, When he let that deep pass go. Um, and then he came back and helped force again in, in overtime, a, a third down throw. I'm trying to remember the exact situation, but here's the scary thing. I love that Kyle, Ham- well, I, we absolutely should be calling out Kyle Hamilton for how phenomenal he was. What makes me nervous is that Mike McDonald had to keep calling either safety or corner blitzes because of how banged up they are at outside linebacker where you've got David Ajabo left the game today. Owe couldn't play. We're still waiting on Tyus Bowser, who's on the PUP. Um, Clowney, by the way, I felt like played out of his mind. Sometimes it's like finish, you know, like that one time where he blew up um, a rushing a rushing play um, out on the edge and then, but, you know, let him go. Um, but Clowney, I felt like played out of his mind. But I'm concerned, Bobby. I'm concerned about, well, injuries everywhere. But specifically also at outside linebacker, like I just can't believe how well this defense played without their their outside linebackers and their secondary. I mean, you don't have uh, Marcus Williams or um, Marlon Humphrey. And that is one thing. And again, it, it's so funny to me. I'm like looking at the, the comments and people are fighting about how much blame you put on uh, weather or the refs or it's Lamar's fault or the offense or whatever. And to me, it's just a silly conversation. Why can't we be nuanced and say all of them had an impact? Like that's what we're doing. This is the post game show. Let's talk about all the factors of the game. That's, that's, that's what we do. And to pretend that any single one of them didn't have an impact it's bananas. And that is an impact. Like when you're playing in a game and I need to, I need to get the exact number with because, but there were more guys that just kept going out. I don't know if it's eight or nine starters at this point that the Ravens are not playing with what NFL football team. It like, can we just like brush that off with? And again, it's not an excuse, but why can't you talk about it as, as an impact? And, and so like, uh, like it, it's a big deal. Like you don't look at, look at this thing. We Odell isn't out there. Justice Hill isn't out there. And by the way, Justice Hill is, is, you know, depth for J.K. Dobbins, who isn't out there. Then Gus Edwards leaves with the concussion. So then you don't have Marlon Humphrey. You don't have Tyler Linderbaum. You don't have Ronnie Stanley. You don't have Odafe Owe. You don't have Marcus Williams. You lose David Ajabo. You lose Gus Edwards. Um, you lose, oh, um, oh, Tylen Wallace. You lose him. Who else is the right? Geno Stone, he comes back. Travis Jones, he went down, but I, I think he came back too. Rashad Bateman, he his hamstring tightened up, and so he was on the sideline late. He says it's not serious, but it's like, uh, that has to be talked about too. It has to be, and the reason why I say that is because it is just it's just one game, and all of these guys, 
all of them could be back within a couple weeks, Bobby. And if you get these guys bought back, do you, are you playing as sloppy of a game? So, yeah, you blame your own team for the sloppiness and the terrible way you played that the offense couldn't even move the ball. But is it going to be that sloppy when you have your horses back? I don't think so. You were suggesting this a second ago, and I think it probably warrants repeat. They really had a tough time without their edge setters today. Oh, and, yeah. And, and that cannot be, you know, overstated, understated, whatever. Like Noah Dafeoe, who left Paycor Stadium with the boot, he's dealing with an ankle. Noah Jabo, for the majority, by the way, he was seen, according to beat reporters, he's seen on the sideline with his helmet on throughout the afternoon after exiting. So you're wondering, well, what's going on with him? You know, Jeremiah Moon, who was the call-up, got a lot of time and, and had some high-impact plays here and there. But Jadavian Clowney cannot do this alone. And so between Owe and, and Bowser being down, and now let's see what happens with Ajabo. I mean, they're in a position where it is thinner than thin right now. We already knew that about this group going into the year. Okay, maybe there was... You knew that the late summer acquisition of, of Clowney would help, and you're hoping for big jumps in year two for David and year three for Adafe, but you're also thinking to yourself, dang, like they're putting a lot of uh, uh, weight and emphasis on a group that comes with quite a bit of uncertainty, and you're seeing why here in the early going, and that stressed out the Ravens' defense, just not getting enough pressure on Gardner Minshew. You know, and that's why Mike had to your point a minute ago. That's why Mike had to get so creative with creative with his DBs and credit Kyle for saying what he said selflessly post game. You know, Jadavian essentially being there opened him up and freed him up for these lanes and opportunities to go after Minshew. But gosh, I mean, if, if he's going to have to get creative like that week in and week out and you're not getting organic pressure from your edge and, and hopefully some of these guys are going to be coming back and getting more healthy. But that's not sustainable. No, it's not. Absolutely not. Um, can we change gears? I want to talk about, if, you, if if it's cool, I want to talk about Lamar Jackson a little bit in this game. So, um, Lamar, to me, in this offense, has 100% taken another step forward. I think with Todd Munkin, Todd Munkin, through three games, has better married the passing game with the rushing game than we saw for many years under Greg Roman. I like Lamar Jackson opened up, I think through like the second quarter, he was like seven for seven, right? At one point, like he was batting a hundred for almost the full, the, the whole half. So he finishes 22 of 31, 202 yards, uh, didn't have any passing touchdowns or interceptions, but he had the two rushing touchdowns. So uh, he threw a couple balls. It was kind of funny, Bobby. Did you notice kind of a side note? The, the a reporter asked him like, what's up with you in the communication with the receivers? You, you, threw, you threw the ball behind them a lot. Well, Lamar had heard uh, all day. And so he gave one of those, what kind of faces or whatever. And, uh, and he goes, no, 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 not all day, not all day, just a lot. And so then, you know, Lamar took that. So there was a couple balls behind, but I, I really do think that Lamar uh, was mostly accurate. I mean, we're thinking about the likely, Oh, the likely I'd mentioned that, but that was so frustrating that li likely dropped that. And that's why Bobby, I hate, I hate like 
saying, oh, this guy will eventually take over for like a great, you know, like a Mark Andrews, like, oh, maybe Mark Andrews, we won't need him because we've got these two young guys that can come up and whatever. And it's like, let's wait till we see them with the pressure, you know, on and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I think Lamar going into this game, he was the second, uh, had the second highest completion percentage, very accurate. I thought he was mostly accurate today. He adds 101 yards. He adds two touchdowns with his legs. Um, but the turnovers, that's it. Awesome. And he knows it. That's the thing. He knows it. Remember we had pointed out in Wired uh, when in the coming out of the locker room that, that John Harbaugh gave him a game ball. And he goes, we'll talk about the one thing when the cameras are off. And I had speculated that it was about ball security. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's it. I mean, to me, Lamar has taken the next step, which I thought he was always capable of. The Ravens offense didn't, just didn't feature it. He's showing how accurate he can be. He's showing how he can move the ball um, down the field. He's showing that he can take deep shots. He's showing that he can throw outside the numbers. He's showing that he can throw the small ones, you know, the short passes to Zay. He had a check down at one point. He's showing he can escape pressure that one time when the – Colts pass rusher had him in his arms and somehow Lamar inexplicably escaped. And this is on third and long and he goes and figures out how to get the first down. You love all of that. Love it. Let's secure the ball. That's, that's it. That's the, that's the thing that will make his game more complete along with, by the way, in a situation like I just named the super bowl, the superhero moment where he like avoids that, that, sack that they had him in his arms and he escaped now in the in the situation though where you're just trying to put justin tucker closer in for a field goal that's not 61 right so if that's a 55 yarder a 57 yarder that's going in lamar has to know i can't take a sack so i can't play around with trying to play superhero right here i don't need to i don't need to i can throw the ball away i can throw it away that's the next step Throw the ball away. Sometimes you and and listen. This is way easier said than done because he's the one who's being Superman. When does Superman learn that sometimes being Superman is just throwing the ball away so I can get my kicker in position? You know, that's it because he's playing so well. Yeah. So secure the ball, throw the ball away when needed. Just a, a very uncharacteristic mental error was what that was, and, and maybe yeah. a lack of awareness. You know, he didn't see. Didn't see that rusher coming in from behind him because he's he's probably used to being able to escape those guys with such ease, but they were coming down on him and and it was too close to call right. His knee was down before he could just kind of shovel it out of bounds. So it was there was no question that he was down, and ultimately that put yeah that put the Ravens in a in a terrible situation, and and so easily avoidable. So yeah, I'm with you. Ball security, I have no issues at all with his accuracy today. To to your point, it comes down to ball security and one mental error, like. Yeah. We're going to drag we're going to drag him for other things when he puts up over 100 yards on the ground. You know, does so much himself. Great vision on some of those designed runs up the middle. I mean, Munkin's clearing out space like let the runway go, man. He just does what he does. The way that he his escapability is we all know is second to none. So yeah, it really comes down to those two things right there. And and the Kenyon Drake fumble obviously hurts, which is kind of why I think I don't know. I just came out and maybe it's a cliche and people don't like it off the top. I know you, you weren't a fan of it, but the deserve thing comes to mind when, when I see them, these self-inflicted wounds that leads me to saying the word, they just didn't deserve to win. And then, you know, everybody's obviously open to their 
interpretation of deserve. Uh, but that's those self-inflicted errors, wounds, yeah. get, lead me to saying that phrase. That's all. No, no, I get it. I, I know why you say it, and I know why other people say it. I guess my thing is, is like, that's that's true, and this is where I bring the the, the refs into it, because you're right. I mean, there were so many self-inflicted um self-inflicted mistakes 1000%. And when you don't have those, then the refs can't bite you. But just as much as I want to hold the Ravens, their players and their coaches accountable, I also want to hold refing accountable. So when you're having a rough day on offense, when you're having a rough day to move the ball, what you don't need is for the refs to compound that. That's what you don't need. And, and I don't care the the NFL is, is designed for parody. The NFL is designed so that you don't have these college football blowouts that we see every single weekend. The NFL is designed so you don't have that. It's designed so that you have these games that we saw today that's coming down to the wire, that goes into the overtime, that's how many, how many games are decided by seven points or less, one possession or less. So if you're designed to do it that way, then the refs are going to have an impact and you get to call that out even when your team is having mistakes. Mm -hmm. you, you, to me, you call out both. And so uh, to me, I just like to say it better the second way that you said it, which is that they, they self-sabotaged at points in the game and they had so many self-inflicting uh, mistakes and horrible ones. And, and so, but at the same time, because of all of those, I don't think the Colts deserved it either. That's kind of where I'm coming from. It's like, well, the Colts didn't deserve it. They were kind of handed the ball a gazillion times. And then it just kind of came to the point where finally, you know, they got their, who was going to get their kicker the closest, who was going to keep turning it over on downs in the overtime where the kicker is just close enough that it's going to go through. And so it was like, uh, you know, the, the Colts front seven played well, but outside of that, I don't know that they deserved it either. Rashad Bateman checking in on Twitter here just a, a short while ago. I'm sure he's seen quite a few tweets that have come his way because, well, he just wasn't a huge factor in today's game whatsoever. And, and he says, that negativity ain't going to work on me this year. We go and bounce back. And then as you alluded to earlier on in the stream, Sarah, based on what reporters have said, I think Jeff was on this first and foremost. Uh, Rashad said that his hamstring tightened up which explains why he was on the sideline without his helmet late. He says he's going to be fine. Uh, he was lab laboring toward the end of the game. He walked with a pronounced limp back to the locker room. Again, the hamstring tightened up, and it doesn't look like it's anything serious. But, you know, when, you're, when you're, your vet goes down, right, like Odell did last week, and you'd hope that this is just, by all accounts, you're hoping that it's, it's just precautionary for a guy who's on the other side of 30 and trying to make his way back into the league after, you know, a one plus year absence, you, you want there to be that next man stepping up. And while other guys are capable of doing that in the wide receiver room, you know, we, we're still kind of waiting for Rashad to, to have his burst onto the scene here in this new offense. And through three early weeks, albeit a small sample size, we've yet to see that. No, we haven't, but I like that mentality that he just tweeted. I didn't, I hadn't heard it until you just read it. Um, you, it, it's like I said before with, with the, the turnovers, you can't let it snowball. So it's like, all right, well, Rashad hasn't busted out like we want him to the way like Zay Flowers has. Yeah. But like he says, it's not going to work on him this year, right? That negativity is not going to good. 
good. Let's keep building on that. Like, (laughs) just keep grinding. It's going to come. Just keep grinding. And one of these games when the Ravens are going to need you, because you still believe, because you're still grinding, you're going to come through. Do not lose the hope. Do not listen to people like us, right? Don't listen to the people on social media. Keep your head down and keep grinding because it's it's going to come. And if it just works out for two or three games this year, that's fine. Just don't let it snowball. I, I really like that that attitude. And obviously in the past, it seemed like to, it got him down, but he also obviously had all those personal issues, losing his cousin, losing his grandma. I mean, it just really snowballed having those injuries. It was tough. So he's healthy, at least help not, you know, he's got the hamstring tightening that you can deal with that. So keep his head up. The Ravens are going to need him. Keep grinding. Absolutely loved, loved, loved everything about Patrick Queen's message. And I'll read it for you right now. Uh, post-game message. This is from Jeff Zarebeck on Twitter. Uh, PQ said there was no excuse for the Ravens to play like that. He put the loss on his shoulders for giving up the, the Zach Moss touchdown catch. And he also said the run defense wasn't acceptable. Now, I'm going to take one of those two things. The run defense was not good. Not good at all. And a lot of that has to do with what we've already discussed on the edge. You don't have your edge setters out there. They're on the sideline injuries. Yep. The lack of edge setting. But for PQ to to selflessly and and the leader that he is and the the professional that he has morphed into, and we've all watched this happen over the course of his five years in Baltimore or four, four years, I can we give him, you know, a standing ovation here because the game's not on him. He was flying around. Matter of fact, he had one game saving tackle, if I'm not mistaken. And he was stuck to Moss all the way through. And Minshew just dropped this thing in like a friggin' dart, like a chip shot, like Jordan Stout's out there. Chip it, there be- right? Jordan Stout <laughs> is hysterical, by the way. If, yeah. If, if he wasn't in a room with the dynamic personality that is Justin Tucker, we'd probably be talking about him more. But that's just the reality <laughs> when, you're, when you're with JT9. Uh, Jordan had a great game, by the way. We can get to special teams in just a bit. But uh, but Sarah, PQ, it was just a better play by Minshew and Moss, and PQ's right there. But I love the mentality. I love the mindset. That's championship-caliber stuff. That That is great mentality. Um, yeah, that one, I actually was surprised because I thought PQ was in good position. He was right there. What he did is sometimes what we don't even see from corners, he actually turned his head back. I was like, okay, inside linebacker, because sometimes you have a hard time getting the actual DBs to do that. Now, he obviously wasn't as skilled when he did that because he went up and he kind of leapt and whatever, but it was it was just, it was a good throw. I mean, sometimes you just have, and a good catch, sometimes you just have to give the other team their flowers. I mean, it was deserving, but you're right. It was on the tackle on Pittman that may, it may have saved that touchdown on the wide receiver screen. So, uh, he, he definitely made that play. But again, to your point, I like what I'm hearing. Like the Rashad Bateman tweet, the Patrick Queen tweet, put it on yourself. And if we're going to nitpick, we're just nitpicking the defense was, was the savior today. Uh, couldn't come all the way through to save. Um, but there was the one where Jeremiah Moon, he almost had a scoop. And I don't want to say for sure what it had the score, but um, he could have maybe gotten into Colts territory after who caused that fumble. Was well, it? There was a couple of guys in on that. Kyle was around that play. Okay. Um, oh yeah, that was Kyle. That was Kyle. Because remember Kyle afterwards I, being like, uh, yeah. oh oh. I think it was Kyle. There was a bunch of dudes all over that play, but Kyle was yeah. right there, and it had a couple yeah. opportunities to to make sure they to, corralled that football. 
Yeah, and to be fair, though, with Jeremiah Moon, he could have just fallen on it, yes, but he was really in a position to scoop and go. Again, head, heads up play by the Colts offensive lineman because he had it in his – it's not like he, like, fumbled it. You know how sometimes you, like, have the ball and you fumble it with your own hands because you have no hands because you're a defensive player and you're not a wide receiver for a reason? Um, that wasn't that – that wasn't in this case with Jeremiah Moon. Like no. the the Colts offensive lineman came in and hit him hard with his shoulder and arm, and that caused the ball to kind of come out of Jeremiah Moon's. But like again, if you're nitpicking the defense, it's like okay, maybe there yeah. they could have like won it for the team. You know what I mean? Like just because it, it felt today like one of those old school Ravens teams where it was like the offense couldn't move the ball. So if the defense, if the defense could just score for us, you know that would that would be great. But they could they they kept stopping them, but couldn't uh, but couldn't score for the offense, which is what was needed. So oh, and the other thing talking about mentality with Rashad Bateman. And PQ, after the game, the media asked Lamar Jackson, hey, did you think that was a P.I. on Zay Flowers? And Lamar, man, he just like, you know, he kind of leans into the podium and he smiles and kind of laughs a little bit. And the answer, truthfully, is yes, it should have been a P.I. But what would have fans done to Lamar if he even acknowledged it, Right. Instead, he just laughed and then he said, you know what? We had opportunities to win the game and we didn't we didn't take advantage of them. So I appreciate that he said that, but I will say it for him. That should have been a P.I. It should have been a P.I. And, you know, yes, it's true. The, the, the offense also squandered away multiple opportunities to win that game. Mm-hmm. Protect your pockets, Lamar and Harbs. They, they yeah. were asked. <laughs> they, and, they were in. As we both know, one of the jobs of of PR professionals in the league is to kind of get your your QB one, get your coach, and just talk through a, a couple of different things before you hit the podium, and maybe even get you in the right mindset. And I would have to imagine that was the case today, because uh, they were they were composed and they were well prepared for those questions, which came right off the top. Which it's not worth it. It's never worth it in that moment, right? It, it's it's satisfying in that moment, in that one. 30 second moment. And then afterwards, when you're paying the $20,000 fine, like PQ and Justin Matabike apparently have in recent weeks because of various conduct stuff, it's, it's, it's really not worth it in those moments when you're writing those yeah. checks to the league. But uh, let's get to special teams. We've talked about it a couple times here. Jordan Stout certainly deserves, you know, look, the, the punk coverage team has had some issues, as we know, so far to start off. But, but in terms of punting the football, and, and putting your team in a position to, you know, flip field positions and whatnot. I mean, Jordan Stout had had himself a game, Sarah, and you got to love him grinning ear to ear coming off the field as one of his first punts of the game goes for 65 yards on incredible bounce. This guy is, it's been a seamless transition for the most part from one of the all-time greats and Sam Cook in Baltimore to, you know, a young guy out of Penn State and he's transitioned well and he's got a big leg. Yeah, and like you had alluded to earlier, he's got a fun a fun personality. Uh, you know, can't fault Justin. We're talking special teams. Can't fault Justin Tucker too much for the sixty-one yarder. Again, the footing we talked about, um, but the punt re- the punt coverage uh, two weeks in a row has been an issue. So uh, that's definitely got to get cleaned up. Some other small little things, and then we'll get into I guess uh, fan questions. And you want to bring some people on. People can call in. 
I was going to think, I was thinking about, I did it on our pregame show. Let's let people decide for us, I guess. We, Sarah and I talked about it for a couple of minutes. I did it on our pregame show this morning of just bringing some folks on. Um, if you're interested in yeah. joining us, we, we want to kind of, one of the things I miss about my time in radio is the art of post-game calls. And now, obviously, we're in the YouTube space, so we don't have to deal with like the FCC or whatever, but we still want to keep it G-rated for our audience. Sarah's kids listen, other kids listen as well. So, you know, we, that's just what we ask of you, and we're going to keep it to 30 seconds. I think we can probably get like five to 10 callers on, just quick little 30 seconds before we finish up. So if you're interested, hit us up in the live chat. I'll drop the link in there, and we can see if we can get some folks in here. Ooh, that should be interesting. Okay, so while people are working on that, uh, let me just run through a couple of quick other, just kind of quick hit type things. Gus Edwards got a shout out. Uh, the most yards per rush he got, this is, I'm showing a screen grab from the broadcast and they have four guys who since 1970, the ones that have the most yards per rush, Bo Jackson, number one at 5.4, talk about, you know, an all time great Jamal Charles, 5.4 tied at number one, Nick Chubb, 5.3, and then the Gus Edwards. And you have to have a minimum of 500 carries to get that. Gus Edwards, I would have liked to have seen him again. He went down with a concussion, but before that, I would have liked to have seen him get even more carries. I don't know, though, if they are still managing his carries coming back from that the, the injuries that he's been coming back from, but uh, hopefully his concussion isn't too serious. We will monitor that because oh, uh, I do not want to go into next week uh, with Melvin Court, Gordon and, and Kenyon Drake and no Justice Hill. And who knows, maybe Hill could be back, but no Gus Edwards. We already know J.K. Dobbins isn't coming back. So um, depending on how serious Justin Hill is, the Ravens may have to make some decisions about once again adding more running backs. So that's a quick hit there. Um, hey, can, I, can I say one thing on that before yeah, we move yeah, on? Let me go to, back to this, that. this is hilarious. The trickery is hilarious. But um, yeah. I like Shane Steichen a lot. He's, he's sort of a, um interesting cat, which we'll get to in a second. But uh along the running backs line line of things uh, call me crazy but there was a sequence where melvin gordon actually rejuvenated this team gave him a little bit of a bounce at, at, at a time and and i was like and there's nothing about his stat sheet that jumps off the page at you 10 carries 32 yards uh, along of 15 he did have a carry for 15 and he did have a couple receptions for 23 yards but sarah it was almost like a shot in the arm there in the second half when they went to him and once you see Kenyon drake who's familiar with the system, cough the football up, you start to think, oh boy, he's going to go into Harb's doghouse. Next man up is a guy who's had ball security issues in the past, right? <laughs> yeah. And now you're thinking to yourself, oh boy, pick, pick your poison. Gus is in the medical tent. Justice is nowhere to be found. JK's down for the year. What gives around these parts at the running back position? <laughs> Keaton Mitchell's getting ready to come off IR in a week or so. It is wild times around Baltimore for, for, for as far as running back is concerned. And you're right. It almost feels as if the weight of the world is on is on the, the concussion protocol for Gus. So that's something we'll monitor in the coming days. So I really wanted to pick up on the game management kind of trickery. So the Colts obviously are trying to play around, <laughs> trying to get the Ravens to burn their timeouts. This is at the end of the second half. Uh, so, you know, they keep putting on one second is the field goal team. And the next second they're going to put on their offense to try to go to the fourth down. So it forces the Ravens to burn a timeout. So they come out and, and Shane tries to do it again. All right. So now I, I, what the broadcast um, illuminated me, cause I did not know this cause I didn't watch the Colts last week, but I guess the Colts did this last week. So this is like, you know, him, him pulling out the same trick. So props to Harbs for, um, 
props to Harbs for having in-game, you know, headsy management himself because he slow walked Urban in. Because if you're going to substitute, the defense has to have time so to good. substitute theirs. So how about big old Brent Urban just like, dude, dude, looking like a sloth, dude, 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 coming out there. So he puts a delay of game on the Colts. And then I grabbed the screen grab of, of Shane being like, well, I tried, but touche, Harbs. Right? You're not fooling the 16-year vet around. Come on. This is one of the most uh, tenured coaches in the league. Matter of fact, I think it's only Belichick and Tomlin that are in front of him in that category at this point. So I was loving that. I mean, what is happening? Like, I'm watching the TV. It's almost like my brain hurts. I'm trying to figure out what is what is going on right now. But the Ravens were ready. You can't outmaster the master when it comes to in-game planning with Harbs. And uh, yeah, the, the screenshot said it best. The, both coaches were smiling. It was high, high, highly entertaining. Yeah, I, I like that a bit. And then just, I just I thought this was fun. Roquan with the helmet, you know, when he used the helmet, he didn't mean to, but he got the pass breakup with his helmet. You can almost, it almost looks like he's wearing the football there. Um, and then, yeah, just another picture of uh, Kyle Hamilton, just nicely hugging Gardner Minshew there. So uh, there we go. Those are some quick hits. Maybe we want to get onto some of these these phone calls if they're coming in. I don't know. Yeah, they will start to come in. I just threw it out in our live chat, but let's go ahead and, and get to that last slide of the schedule just so that we can oh, look okay. ahead a little bit and then go through what happened around the league because the Miami Dolphins put up a 70 spot. They put Bro. up a 70 spot on the Denver Broncos. <laughs> Who's talking now, Sean Payton, right? Not you. Certainly not you after that performance, but unbelievable display of offensive dominance by uh, by the Miami Dolphins. So the Ravens, as you can see here on the schedule, they will have to face Miami on New Year's Eve at home inside the bank. So that's a high-powered offense clicking on all cylinders right now. But in terms of what's to come, the Ravens will travel to Cleveland this upcoming Sunday to kick off the month of October. And then this, this kind of front-loaded schedule of in-division opponents, Sarah, begins uh, week four. So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's go. Let's go. I mean, you drop this one, you're going to be angry. Bobby, I just, I am not, I am certainly not panicking with this team. Like I just, I just don't see three turnovers like that every single week. I don't see, I just, I've, again, injuries are going to, injuries are going to decide everything. I I see a lot of guys coming back within the next month, next couple weeks and the next month. And uh, I I just am not panicking with this team at all. I feel like with Cleveland coming in, uh, the Ravens are going to be angry and uh, if they if they pick this up, it's it's going to be looking really good in the AFC North. But it's an important one, and they can't panic either. Like I said, my theme is don't let things snowball. Don't let the loss snowball. Just come back and pick up an AFC North win. Yeah, and you get the sense that just the locker room, you know, outside looking in from from various snippets and reporters and whatnot. I don't think anybody's panicking, which is refreshing. Why would you yeah. panic? It's 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 week three and. Um, to kind of go back to what Dan Orlovsky was saying a few weeks ago, you know, there will be a learning curve for not just Lamar, but the entire offense. And so you see that, you know, there's going to be peaks and valleys here within this new system and, and not everything's going to look perfect. So yeah, do not press the panic button in terms of the AFC North Cincinnati will play. It's going to be a dual a doubleheader Monday night football. The Eagles and Buccaneers play tomorrow night and then the Bengals and Rams will play. So nothing for Cincinnati right now, but uh, Cleveland got the job done taking care of, of the Titans handily, who the Ravens will see next month in London. Very much looking forward to I finalized my plans, Sarah, this week. We haven't even had a chance oh. to catch up because you had plenty going on in your life the last couple of days, but fired up to be going out to London in October. So the Ravens will play Tennessee, but they got manhandled today by Cleveland 27 to 3. So Cleveland improves to 2 and 1, and they sit atop the AFC North with the Ravens uh, at 2 and 1 overall. Where else? Where is Pittsburgh? Obviously, we haven't been. Oh, they haven't played yet. Okay, so it's a Sunday night game. It just shows you how in tune we've been with the Ravens today and the the overtime and just the intensity of it. But they are in Vegas. They're in Vegas tonight to play the Raiders 820 kickoff. So the only thing we have in terms of, yeah, the only thing we have in terms of Indivision is is what Cleveland did today. And then speaking of Dan Orlovsky, I'll let you take this. That's why I brought it up. You said his name, so I had to bring this up. (laughs) It just was too good. So Minshew uh, stepped out gonna... of bounds. He stepped out of bounds like Dan did with the Detroit Lions years ago that he's infamous for. I couldn't believe this. But Dan's actually yeah. happy about it. He stays getting dragged, but it's no longer Dan's world. Minshew's about <laughs> to be living in Dan's world. I'm so sorry, Gardner. Has has Dan tweeted yet about it? We need we need to look this up while while we, you know, get into fan questions. I just need to know if Dan has tweeted about it. <laughs> oh, there was definitely some sort of reaction because I saw. I saw people tweeting about how he was thrilled, but I just don't, I don't know what he's actually said. Okay. So anyway, let's open up the lines. A new feature here is coming to the vaults and it starts right now. One of the things that I miss about just the, the, the art of, of post-game radio is post-game calls. And that's something I wanted to kind of bring into a new flavor of the vault and Sarah's in on it too. So again, 30 seconds where you're from, where you're calling in from and what you want to talk about. 
It's a FaceTime. The link is out in the live chat right now. No swearing, please. Keep it G-rated for the kids at home. And without further ado, let's bring in Vault listener Justin Holtz, who I've seen very often engage with us. What's going on, brother? Where are you calling in from? What's going on? Calling from Northeast PA. The pregame was lit, man. Did you get that girl's number, Bobby? <laughs> uh, I did not. Uh, Sarah's probably did not catch this, so I got some, no. some stuff to, to explain at some point. But uh, I can't let's, wait let's, for this story. Go let's ahead. get to the business at hand. Sarah and I will discuss this later on, Justin. But uh, I, thanks for thanks for throwing me under the bus. Sorry, you know? man. No, uh, <laughs> I was just curious with our situational awareness when we have the ball. With ball security been coming up the last three games. And like with Drake, you got, you have to feel that people are chasing you down from behind. And Lamar, when he goes in the pocket, like taking that 10 plus yard sack when he could have threw the ball away. It reminds me of when Flacco used to stand back in the pocket and hold the ball like a loaf of bread. Like, is there any way to coach? You have to feel these guys coming from behind because this can't keep happening every game. Thanks for the call, Justin. Sarah, you want to take that? Yeah, no, I agree with them. We touched on on all of those earlier. I mean, these are just game changing plays. Kenyon Drake, you know, you got it when you when you have that many yards, you got to know that somebody's coming behind, and it's like a Marlon Humphrey situation that when they've given up that many yards, all their last ditch effort is to try to punch that thing out. So you got to cover it out. With with Lamar, um, I feel like. In the past, he's been too loose with it. On this play, I, maybe I need to go back and watch again. It felt like both his hands were on it, and he didn't feel the back pressure. That one is less egregious to me than the you got to throw it away situation where he took a sack. Because every every quarterback, Tom Brady, everybody, I mean, you do want to get like that sixth sense. And Lamar, again, I want to give him props for escaping that other sack. When I mean, the guy had him. I mean, he was hugged. The one that's more egregious for me is when you're trying to get Justin Tucker into position and everybody knows the announcers are saying it, the only thing you cannot do is take a sack. So in that moment, Lamar has to take off his cape, to be honest with you. Because when you have on your cape, you're you're playing as if it's like, this is the last play of the game, Justin Tucker doesn't exist, and that you've got to make this, uh, you have to win it all right here, and he doesn't have to. So that's it. Like, it's like how much, it's so much easier though to fix that. than some quarters you have to say, quarterbacks have to say, Hey, can you put on a Cape every once in a while? Can you help us out with Lamar? It's just, Hey, take off your Cape, take off your Cape. And no matter what, cause he had time, he was back there. He's bouncing around. He saw nothing open. And then he ran out and it's like, Hey, just, you got extra downs. You've got time. Just throw it away. Go throw it in the stands and live for another day and, and get ready to put like that's it. No, when you absolutely can't take a sack. That to me was the more egregious one of Lamar. I think we can all agree on Kenyon Drake. And I think he would have been in the doghouse longer if the Ravens had any other running backs to go to. Right. We're talking about a Harbs doghouse. Windowless, uh, no electricity, right? It's dark. This is this is a John Harbaugh doghouse. This is the way I envision it. And yet. Kenny, he was like only five minutes in there or so. So anyway, that was just, a, yeah, to your point, a product of, of the current reality of the running back room. Uh, we're taking your calls. We're going to go out to Ross here in just a second. Terry, we're coming for you in a minute as well. We have the live chat in the link or the, the link is in the live chat. It's been a long day. So pop on, join us for a couple, a couple seconds to tell us where you're at, uh, what's going on and what you want to talk about. Ross, welcome into the vault. What's going on, y'all? I'm out here Ross. in Rockville, Maryland. I'm from Baltimore. 
it was a uh, it was hard watching that when I was out there with some flock members out there at uh, Dave and Buster's and I was yelling, just punt the ball, don't go for it, please, just just punt it. Don't don't do the John Harbaugh thing and 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 not understand what's going on right now. The defense playing good. You punt it, a, another good punt, get it down there, lower in there, you know, in their end zone area, you know, try to play something good, you know, get a second chance. But they had to go for it. And, I mean, it was a ref no call. It was like the no call of the century. It was terrible. It wasn't even in slow motion. You can see it. It was in – I mean, you could just see it. I mean, yep. uh, it, there it is. Just, just there it is on the left-hand side right there. Just – no. Oh. Oh, my God. Now, Ross, I can get more on board with that. Bobby, you had talked about some people saying, like, you should have gone with Justin Tucker there, which would have been further away. The punt, I feel like, was more of a, a viable solution. I think that, you know, in Harb's case, it's like my offense hasn't been moving the ball. All we got to do is get, like, three yards and we got this, you know. Yeah. So, But I agree. I think the punt would have been, been – Give us a chance, uh, you know, so we could yeah, like, yeah, get yeah. another game plan for another drive because the defense was doing good, you know, give, give the – you know, give them a little break, get their minds right a little bit. You know, they're a little flustered. Everybody's trying to rush. Everybody's not seeing the same thing at the same time. You know, it's, you got to calm down. Everybody's got to get on the same page and then get the get it get it done. You get that's what you get paid for. So you know, it's hard to see that. You know, thanks uh, for calling in, man. We appreciate you, Rockville, yep, Maryland. Thanks, thanks Ross. Ross. Appreciate that. We got a new feature going on right now. We're trying something a little bit different, a little risky. You never know, especially after the loss. A little bit more risky than the so last far, couple so weeks. So far, so good. So far, so good. <laughs> two two for two. Let's see what Terry can do here. We'll bring Terry inside the vault for our new viewer segment here. And, and Terry, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Ontario, Canada. Absolutely. And I've been a 1996 Baltimore Ravens fan ever since. <laughs> but I'm an honest, and I'm going to lay it out. You guys do a great job. I appreciate what you guys do. Sarah, you've been spot on this whole thing. Love it. Calling it like it is. And 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 I'm going to agree. I'm going to agree with the guy before me. My my thing would have been, you should have actually taken a delay game penalty, backed the ball up. They probably would have done a 10-second runoff, and then you kick the punt, and they don't get the chance to kick that field goal. So, on, outside of that, I, I agree. Like, my big thing right now with this is Lamar, ball handling, know the situation. Like, just somebody's got to work on helping that man with – with with playing two loops, he's back to 2018 where he had all them fumbles, carrying it loose, like like tighten that up and, uh, you know, be aware of the situation. Like, I agree with Sarah again, like that, that you should have thrown that ball away. Like, don't take the sack. That's like the worst possible thing you could do in that moment. That 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 was a game changer right there. Like, you know, but anyways, I just wanted to come on because I like love you guys and like, <laughs> huge Ravens, like Ontario, Canada. Let's go. <laughs> appreciate, All right. it. appreciate it, Terry. That's Ooh. awesome. Yeah. Thanks hey, I, on, I like Terry. Whenever somebody says, Hey, I agree with everything you're saying. That's easy for me. Right. Uh, <laughs> Not bad. No, but again, it's same thing that Ross just said that one. I think, okay, that one's, I had stuck up for Harbaugh of like going for Zay or, charting Justin Tucker back out for a field goal. But yeah, I think there, there could have been some sense in, in, in what he just said, he even explained it further. Take the, take the delay of game. Cause you're taking the clock off more, go back, a, you know, 10, five, five yards and then, then punt it. So that, that could have been it. I, I still though, I still like I still like the call. 
And I like the play call by Munkin because Zay was there. And, and you know, the refs, we've talked about that. Once more, I wanted to let you guys know how this is all possible. Our exclusive title. Oh, my gosh. It's long. These are long days. You got me. it. These are long days it. for me. <laughs> Sometimes you just, it's like, what, what comes into, like, what goes into tripping on your words? Like, what, how does that even happen? My mom was not happy with me today. She saw me drinking a Red Bull on the pregame show. And I oh. got a text, and I'll read it to you before I get to Oh, we're getting, we're getting Mama Trossett here, Miss Leslie. Stop drinking Red Bull. It's almost like you're addicted. Switch to water. <laughs> Good to hear from you, Mom. Good to hear from you. <laughs> Bobby, here's what's funny is you tell me the feedback your mom always gives you, and I'm like, I think she's batting 100. I always agree with her. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I digress. I wanted to let you know about our exclusive post-game title sponsor, CyberTech. They're also supporting us in our partnership with Roquan Smith this season. So obviously we are thrilled that they're a part of, of what we're building here and we're very thankful for them. They are a next generation local recruiting, resourcing and outsourcing firm. We're talking about a new way to acquire resources, whether you're in need of new hires, contingent staff, or just seeking to outsource a business or technical function. CyberTech is the organization for you. If you're in need of resources and candidates and don't have the time to sift through dozens of resumes, CyberTech is a company that really understands your needs and presents candidates that are not in the open market within 48 hours. CyberTech has over 40 years of combined experience in working with some of the largest organizations in the Baltimore area and nationally. So if you find yourself intrigued about CyberTech and you're interested, well, You'll have a chance to meet myself, Sarah, and the CyberTech team for a virtual introduction. And if you want to get started right now, we have a direct email that you can reach out to CyberTech through that's included in the show notes below. Partner, uh, no Roquan Smith this week because, again, we have 10 shows with him scheduled throughout 17 weeks, 18 weeks, I guess, technically 17 games. So we will let you know in terms of when the next one is on the schedule. But that's week three. Obviously, uh, a big frustration. This is one of those ones you flush in a lot of ways, especially when you're a new offensive scheme, a new offensive coordinator in Baltimore. But uh, I felt like we did a decent job of being fair, thorough, and had over well over 400 people uh, on the simulcast for a loss. So we know those aren't exactly winning numbers, but uh, we're, we're glad that you guys could drop by. Things that you can do that are totally free to help us out here inside the vault, subscribe to both channels, like the videos and whatever channel that you watch this stream on. Hit us up with feedback via email at BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com. We're always looking to uh, we're always looking to hear from you, whether it's positive, negative, or, or somewhere in the middle. Uh, you can hit us up with a donation if you're interested in doing so uh, through Venmo at Ravens Vault Podcast. And we want to shout out and thank two of our returning patrons that are supporting everything we're doing here inside the vault this month through Patreon, Jaron Fonville and Christopher Saxe. We appreciate both of you guys for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond. And if you guys are interested in doing the same, patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault Podcast is a great way to do so. We actually just had a brand new small business owner sign up for our monthly uh, Patreon title sponsor level tier within Patreon. So go check that out if you're a small business owner and, you, and you're interested in uh, getting more involved with us. Did I miss anything? No, sir, you did not. All right. Got it. I like it. Let's flush this away. Let's flush it. Yeah, that's Don't the classic. Don't let it snowball. Like, classic jargon right flush it and move on uh, they'll probably take 24 hours to do that i guess in the nfl world so monday night football tomorrow sunday night football tonight with the steelers is on deck 
Uh, Travis Kelsey had Taylor Swift in his family's suite during the Chiefs game today, which is like a fun fact. I think Arrowhead Stadium was ready to erupt when they showed her on the big screen. And that game's currently going on, and it's 41 to nothing. Chiefs oh. over the Bears, an absolute slaughter fest. Oh. So, so, folks, listen, if you're feeling some type of way about today, go ahead and take a look and think about what it would be like to be in Denver and to be in Chicago right now. I'd Yikes. rather be here. I'd rather be here. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather be here. I'd rather be here with a 3-0 and record, but, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Uh, and some of the yeah well true of course you'd rather be with yeah. three you know but uh yeah, those yeah. markets probably their post-game shows are a little bit different that uh than what we just did for the last hour and eight minutes but some su super chat donations are coming in appreciate james mckenzie for a 20 dollar one thank I you james it, we actually have to get to a deep actually from earlier on as well a deep when we were talking about some of the officiating a deep dropped a 499 in with uh, to me it wasn't just that the ref missed a pass interference. It was the timing of it. The refs need to have better awareness of when to and not to call penalties. And they actually picked a couple up, if I'm not mistaken, again today. Been back well, to back weeks. What's funny though with the Deets comment, I hear I hear it, but it's usually like the like especially when the game's on the line, you want the refs to let them play. I actually generally agree with that, but when it's like so blatantly obvious. You have to call it. And and to, to Adid's point, it's like, this is fourth and three overtime. Game's on the line. It was blatant. And then Harbaugh said he didn't even get an explanation. Uh, I would like one. I would very much like an explanation, but there's nothing they can do because, I mean, it's over. And they can explain it, but they're just flat out wrong. Zay's path to the football was significantly affected. I think that's what the bottom line is on that on that missed call. And then free Wi-Fi 199, Harbaugh using a timeout to save a PT for the Colts. What is this referring to here? I don't know. I was actually, before you pulled it up, I was trying to, I don't know. Using a timeout to save a PT for the Colts. Uh, does anybody have the context here? Anyway, thanks for the it donation. Been back when we were, yeah. <laughs> Thanks yes. for the donation, free Wi-Fi. I think we've analyzed this enough. <laughs> All right. Anyway. All right. So thanks to CyberTech for, for sponsoring this post-game show. Thanks to all of you, all 400-plus throughout the last hour or so that joined us. Sarah and I, of course, this will take place for the audio-only side and on YouTube of Monday's Morning Vault. So we will be back in Morning Vault fashion on Tuesday morning. Looking forward to... Uh, kind of combing through all the stuff that we missed. I mean, there's only so much we can get to. But, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And for my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off in this instant reaction episode across all of our platforms here inside the vault. We will next talk to you on Tuesday. <laughs>